Brian Mattimore is the co-founder and chief idea guy for Growth Engine, a 22-year-old innovation agency based in Sanford, Connecticut. Through Growth Engine, Brian has worked with over one-third of Fortune 100 companies. He's written four books on ideation, innovation, and creative processes, and he's an innovation and marketing instructor for the California Institute of Technology in their executive education department. Brian reached out to me because he wanted to share a couple stories, but particularly one story about how he connected with the soul of his father within his father's last months of life. You'll hear it on Third Eyesight. My name is Juan Francisco, and I'm a psychic medium and tarot card reader. I've always been curious about the supernatural, the paranormal, and psychic abilities, and I'm here to share my stories and interview folks who want to share their own stories with us. Let's get to it. Brian, thank you for joining the podcast today. Well, hey, Juan, it's, it's good to, to meet you, and it's good to be on. Thank you. It's it's my absolute pleasure to host you. So tell us uh, where you're based and why you decided to share your experiences with us. Well, I'm based in Stanford, Connecticut. And, uh, you know, frankly, it's because uh, I responded to a HERA request and uh, there were some interesting questions on it. So I just um, I'm happy to share. You know, it's interesting in my career in business, this stuff generally doesn't come up. And so I don't really get an opportunity to share it. And, and nor do I feel necessarily feel the need, but um, this was a case where I said, well, I'm happy to share. And no, thank you so much. And for those who don't know, Harrow is a help a reporter out, which is what I used when I first launched the podcast uh, to get folks to tell their stories, to submit their stories, to be on the podcast. So that's what Harrow is. And yeah, that was, we first touched base with each other maybe a year ago, maybe more than a year ago already. Um, so it's good to finally have you on the podcast. And thank you. Yeah. And, and actually on that topic of, you know, these are things we usually don't talk about, especially in corporate sectors. I mean, it just doesn't, these things don't go together. And I've worked in the corporate sector. Um, I work in the nonprofit sector now, but still just in mainstream culture. This seems still a little bit, it still seems a little bit taboo for many people. Um, so do you, in your, in your experience, um, is, how was it like in, in your upbringing and family or um, do you feel like you've had social circles or environments where you have been able to share this? Well, I guess it depends on what you mean by this. I, I, I know what you mean, but, you know, even in the corporate environment, uh, you know, I do ideation and creativity training, et cetera. And, you know, there are, when we do that work, because it's creative, um, I can see the the spiritual opening at times. I can see the light go on in people. And so while, while it's the, this work is, you know, or these stories are not explicitly told, um, you know, the spiritual currents are there and come through uh, when people are ideating individually and together. And so that's an extraordinary uh, thing for me. To, to really answer your question, um, you know, I was brought up in a, geez, a, a conventional upper middle class and, you know, Fairfield County, Connecticut. My, my dad was a, a madman uh, and, uh, you know, an advertising guy, but, but put a great deal of interest and em emphasis on creativity. And so that's been my life's work. Got it. And, and on the topic of what this is, um, speaking of what <laughs> this is, um, I know we're going to talk about two or maybe several different instances, some of which relate to the idea of like souls, the other side, and another one tapping more into a story about your intuition. So 
was first like to ask you, um, you've had really deep experiences around the time your father passed. Um, it sounds like it was in your early 20s and there was some um, an element of helping him transition, out-of-body travel. Could you share a little bit about what that story entails? Yeah, um, I had been a student of spiritual teachings. I had gone to all different ashrams and different places. I was curious and and I, and I finally found a path for me that was great. It was it was Ekankar based on uh, Paul Twitchell's book, A Key to Secret Worlds. That was, you know, revolutionary for me. Anyway, so I was studying all these things, having inner experiences. And when my dad got sick uh, with cancer, I was fortunate to spend the last four or five months with him. On I was on uh, an exchange or break from, from Dartmouth. And uh, oh, my gosh, it was so wonderful to, to be with him. And I was interpreting his dreams for him. And, you know, because that transition, uh, you know, out of the physical body can can, you know, bring up really interesting experiences. And when he finally did pass, um, the experience that I wrote you about and that I'll talk about here, um, it, at the beginning, and this all occurred in the dream state for me, uh, you know, I would, I, I was with him and saying, you know, you're dead, you're dead, dad, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead. And I had, frankly felt a little guilty about that because, you know, clearly he wasn't dead. I mean, he was out of the physical body, but he wasn't dead. Uh, but he was somewhat, I would say, attached to the physical plane at that point in his in his transition and didn't know that he had transitioned. And so I've come to understand that me saying that was a service to him, you know, to to make the transition to to the next stage. And you said this happened in in dream state. So what were you interacting with your father in like did each of yes. you were interacting in dream state? Yeah, I mean, it's, and, and and I'm sure some of the listeners and you have experienced these, you know, ecstatic states. I mean, they're, it's lucid dreaming or whatever you want to call it. These are more real than than physical states. And so that that was the case. And so I, you know, I was with him, you know, uh, for probably two two weeks or more. I don't know if it was every night, but close to every night, helping, helping, right? And um the end of the story was uh, he maybe this was three weeks in. Uh, I I had the final experience with him at, at that at time. He was established on one of the inner planes. I think it was probably the, the astral plane. And he was on a beautiful lake and a, a beautiful home. And so I was so pleased that he had, you know, successfully made that transition and that, that frankly, I'd helped him. And when you had that last meeting with him on the astral plane was there what was the amount of time if you don't mind me asking between that experience in that in that dream state and um the moment you learned of of his passing well i was with him when he passed you know in in the hospital and and so i you know it might have been three or four weeks before it was established i i don't really remember but but um that that would that would be my guess and so you know, it was obviously uh, for me. This was an incredibly important experience. You know, because because I knew that he w- he was continuing on, and uh, so uh, I felt so blessed um, to ex- have experienced that with him and to be part of his, his transition. You know, what what a gift, right? Definitely. And um, this is this is not something that I personally experienced myself. I'm sure there are people listening that have, but that that sounds like quite a gift. And and after after his transition, um, how have you continued 
that that connection with him? Well, my bias is as you grow in, in spiritual awareness, sometimes these, for lack of a better term, whiz-bang experiences or whatever become so much less important. You know, the foundations of spiritual awareness have been established. And for instance, when my mom died, I didn't need to, A, I didn't need to help her uh, make that transition, but B, I didn't need to have that experience with her on the inner planes because, because I knew she was okay. You know, and so I think I probably could have had those if I put my attention on it and et cetera, et cetera. You know, I remember at one point in my uh, spiritual development, I was reading all these books on lucid dreaming. And so I'd have all these lucid dreams. You know, it's it's where you put your attention. And so the the bottom line for this is I didn't feel the need to 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 see that transition to help her through it. A, she didn't need it. But also, you know, I'm well established in this. And and uh so, uh, you know, the, the but to answer your question, the relationship goes on not so much in a uh, in an inner dream state experience, uh, lucid experience, whatever. It's just, you know, knowing that he's there and that I could call on his insights and wisdom and ideas and creativity. Um, and when I say call on it, it's really more intuitional than say, uh, hey, dad, what do you think? No, it's it's just more at the intuitional level. Right. And. You keep mentioning lucid dreaming and that, that this dream practice is what helped you to to connect with your father on the soul level. Um, what does that practice of lucid dreaming entail? Because it's something I'm actually not too familiar with. So um, in the books you've read and the, the experiences you've had, how did you um, attain that that level of lucid dreaming? Well, the way I think of it now, it's, it's you know, in the, the Ekinkar terms or Ekis terms or whatever, it's soul travel, right? So it's the ability to travel through the different state, you know, the different planes, the astral plane, the mental plane, the causal plane, on a, the etheric plane, on up to the soul plane. And so, you know, I've been studying these disciplines and practicing them for over 40 years. And so, you know, at the soul plane, you're it's it's a plane of beingness. And so it's frankly, you know, soul travel is, is somewhat of a misnomer, misnomer because you're not really traveling, you're just being there. But it's um, these ecstatic states, if you want to call them. Uh, as, to my, in my opinion, as you grow in awareness, they become um, natural part of yourself rather than these uh, experiences that you have. You, you, you know, it's 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 part of who you are and it's how you approach life every day. And, you know, so I'll do I'll do, I'll chant Hugh, for instance, H-U as a, as a spiritual mantra for myself. And that's part of my spiritual disciplines. And, and the way I think of that is you're kind of tuning the, you know, the tuning fork to be uh, in better touch with and aligned with the universe. So would you, would you call the state of lucid dreaming or the process that gets you to that, um, to that point, would you call it a meditative practice or would you distinguish between meditation and, and in this this practice, I, I would distinguish it. Uh, meditation, you know, you can meditate, you, you know, or contemplate is is a more active form of meditation, right? You know, as a spiritual discipline in the morning, and then the lucid dreaming obviously tends to happen when you, when you're asleep. And you can program is probably the wrong word, but you can sort of uh, through disciplines um, begin to create these states for yourself, you know, by by chanting certain things before you go to bed or having certain requests or, or drawing pictures or whatever it is. Um, again, it's a, it's, it's attention and awareness. 
And if you're really interested in having those lucid dreams, my opinion is you can you can have them. Uh, just just you know, it may take a month or two months or three months, but if you uh, every time you go before you go to bed, I would like to have this experience on this plane, and maybe you chant a, a sacred word or mantra, and you know you do enough of that, and you're going to start having those experiences. Pardon my ignorance, because I don't know if this is legitimate or not, but I had a roommate that told me he was practicing lucid dreaming by as he was trying to fall asleep and people can't watch this um maybe maybe not if i don't post this clip but with his thumb tapping his thumb with each of his other four fingers over and over again um is that something you've heard of or are there other other ways of um tapping into this or preparing for lucid dreaming that sounds similar to you? Um, it's a re- I, I've never heard of that, quote, technique, for lack of a better term. I mean, there are spiritual exercises where you can sort of um, almost like chant while you're doing yoga, for instance, and that will, will often uh, help you project out of the body, for instance. Uh, but, um, y- you know, I, I think if, if you get behind what he was doing, it was sort of bringing an awareness uh, to that transitional state. And however you do that is terrific. You know, if you're you're counting sheep or tapping your fingers or whatever it is, it's about um, maintain, maintaining is probably the wrong word, establishing consciousness um, through that twilight zone or period into the, you know, into the dream state. Got it. Got it. And going back to your experience with your with your father's soul, first of all, this is something that I've I've read about before. Where uh, when when someone is in the the final months or the final weeks of of their life on the in the physical world, that their soul does travel. It's almost like in, in preparation. Have you been able to also to connect with other people's souls in addition to the experience you have with your father? There have been. Uh ecstatic inner experiences, both with, with teachers, um, you know, uh, forgive me for mentioning Ekankar again, but I, I early on in my uh, spiritual career <laughs> experience, whatever you want to call it, you know, I had a meeting with, uh, with an inner master. And um, it was interesting because I, I told my then girlfriend, now wife at the time, oh, I just met my, my inner teacher. And and it was, I don't know if it was six months later or whatever that I, I, I discovered, you know, my path. And then, and I see this guy's picture and I say, and he was one of the Eck masters. So, so I was like, wow, this is really interesting, right? <laughs> that I'm having these uh, experiences with these um, inner teachers. And there are, you know, there are teachers at different planes and, uh, and different sacred texts at each plane. So you can, you know, you, you, you know, it's like going to school, you graduate and you go into higher planes and, and different teachers and you get passed along um, in this cosmic buddy system. Right. And, and so, so yes, experience with those inner masters and experiences with other people too. And, and, and there are times of helping, there are times of, you know, burning off karma, for, for instance. Uh, one of one experience I had was I was stabbed on the inner plane which was, and it was a stabbing. I mean, it was like, yeah, it was a stabbing. Uh, I think it was on the astral plane. And that was wonderful because I didn't have to, I could burn off that karma without having to experience it on the physical plane. Wow, that is fascinating. And and so this this incident that 
you experienced is the stabbing. Was it done? Uh, was it was it caused by another another soul being? Uh, was was there some some karmic connection between you and the person who did the stabbing, the soul who did the stabbing? You know, that's a great question. I don't know the answer to that. Um, I just I don't, I don't I don't even quite remember how it happened, but I I know that um, that I was stabbed. It was in the lower back, and I was and it was uh, obviously a major karmic burnoff thing based on previous experiences of mine. And so uh, that's kind of all I remember, to be to be honest. Uh, this was many years ago, but um, but I I personally love that notion that you can you know, burn off so much karma in these inner states and not necessarily have to burn them off on the physical states. And and for you, is there a connection talking about all this and having all these experiences? Is Do you, do you ha- have a belief in, in past lives and reincarnation? And if, do, do you? <laughs> yeah, yes. The answer is absolutely yes. And you know, gosh, I'll never forget. I was in fifth grade and I, somebody, this, uh, another student, she brought in this Egyptian, uh, stuff and I freaked out. I'm like, Oh my God, I had a really bad incarnation, uh, in Egypt. And then there was, you know, experiences of being advisor an advisor to a King. And then the being fearful of, of certain people in authority because, you know, because I was, um, ultimately executed. And then, Fear of persecution, having my head, you know, on a on a on a post on a bridge, you know, all those sort of difficult um, experiences that that you know we've all had, whether people believe it or not. I, you know, it's it's you know having experienced so many of these past lives on the inside, um, you know, it brings awareness to to why certain things have happened here. I remember when I was launching my first book, uh, this this book on creativity, 99% inspiration, I'm, I'm meeting with all the PR people at the publishing firm. And, and I started to sweat. And I'm like, and not just kind of sweat. This was, uh, they had to bring a towel in. So that's how bad it was. Because this was, you know, accepting the mantle of my uh, mission to popularize the structure of creativity. Now I was stepping out and this was, you know, approximating death, right? Because I had been killed for for certain things in previous life. So this was, I understood what was happening, you know, whereas if I hadn't had that awareness, I would have said, what the heck is going on here, right? But but I had that awareness of 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 based on a past life experience, and I and and I know everyone in the audience. We've all had those, whether it's deja vu or certain cultures or certain people or whatever. You know, there are things that are quote unexplainable on the rational uh, level, but certainly when you look at the karmic patterns in past lives, then it all begins to make sense. Absolutely. I resonate with that a lot. I did past life regression maybe eight years ago, and I would like to do it again. And there were things I learned that yes. connected the dots for me in this life and some some patterns and relationships I have in this life. I would like to ask you next about an experience you had surrounding your dog, your dog Clyde, right? Um, could you share a little bit about that? Sure. Um, you know, we had English setters when I grew up. The, the first one was Freckles and the second one was Sam. Sam actually 
had a company named after him. It became the second largest uh, research firm in the nation. It was called Sammy. Uh, my dad was an entrepreneur at Time Incorporated and formed this, this company, Sammy, uh, to compete with Nielsen. And then it was Sammy Burke and then uh, Control Data and IRI, what, what was left of it. Anyway, um, so dogs were a big deal in our family. And we uh, the English setter I got was Clyde. And oh my gosh, I brought him up to, to Dartmouth with me. And it was, it was just so wonderful. And he just was such a superior soul. You know, I just loved him to death. And so when he died, it was really difficult. And and so luckily, uh, I did have those inner experiences with, with Clyde. And then the last time I saw him, he was being taken off by a ma- in the you know, in the care of a master or with a master. And so I knew, oh, okay, he's taken care of. And so that was, you know, it, it makes you almost want to cry because it's these are such profound experiences where with um, you know, with souls that you love, right? And so so that was again such a blessing for me that I that I saw that and knew that that he was okay. Uh, was it your um your experience with your father and his transition? Did, did that occur before your experience with your dog Clyde or the reverse? Yeah, that was pre that was pre-Clyde. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so so then um so that's really that's really something that you've had this experience with your father and you've had it with um I'm gonna call it I mean this uh, I have a dog, I'm a dog dad myself, their family. So uh you've had this with um I could say your dog child, so to speak, or um <laughs> your best friend. And and when you say that you saw him, you saw Clyde go unto go under the care of a master. Um, could you describe the energy of this master, or what is what does the word master mean for you? I think I have an idea of what it means, but I would like to hear from you what it means. Yeah. Um, well, uh, forgive me, because I, I I don't mean to say anything about Ekinkar specifically, but but you asked me, um, and 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 I feel very strongly that people need to stay on the path that they're on if they're happy with it, right? I think that's that's really important, and I would never presume to to want to change anyone else's path. But since you asked me, I mean, there is an inner master uh, in Ekinkar, and based on the outer physical body of of the the lead teacher they the term is the mahanta but but the inner master um then was the one who who Clyde went off with now there is a specific ek master he's called prajapati uh who who is in charge of animals helping those souls but but in this case it was the inner master that that Clyde went off with got it and could you could you pronounce um this this teacher's name again please uh, it, it's three Harold Clem, you know, Harold Clem. Okay. Yeah. Before that, and I had joined Ekinkar, I think probably in 70, let's see, 77, I guess. Uh, before that, it was Darwin Gross. And before that, the modern day founder was Paul Twitchell. And I had read a book of his called, uh, you know, I was in a bookstore, you know, because as you know, you read all these spiritual books. And this book, Key to Secret Worlds, it was like a my head snapped back because I had a bias that any spiritual teacher, a true, true spiritual teacher, should have traveled the inner world. You know, they talk about heaven, right? And so I, I said, well, my bias was there should be a map of heaven and somebody should be able to tell you what these levels are. And and so when I read that book, I said, oh, my gosh, this is the first time that I've seen an explicit map of these different levels of, of heaven and different states. And so therefore that for me was a really an important moment. 
I think it's it's all coming together for me now, as you said. That I'm I'm glad, I'm glad I, that I asked you because what I'm understanding is an inner master. Am I right in saying that an inner master in this inner world yes. or inner realm that a master would be the role of sort of like um like a lead in in that in that uh, inner world? Yes, thank you for making that distinction. I I I didn't do a good job of explaining that because all good. It, it, it's not. Uh, my master, it's an inner master. The inner master has mastered his own beingness and is essentially a leader or even a guide. I mean, he he or or she uh, is a guide and will often take help you. And and so you have karmic burnoff at a level that's not too intense, right? You, you know, the sort of as you move to these ecstatic states. So you're it's a more natural way to do it than if you were just on your own. So it's a teacher, it's a guide, it's a leader, um, a way shower, all those things. So thank you for for making that distinction. That's important. No, uh, th- thank you. And I'm going to definitely look into into some of this literature because it sounds really interesting. Um, speaking of literature, good segue. See what I did there. So in in your book, um, Idea Stormers: How to Lead and Inspire Creative Breakthroughs, you talk about an ideation session you hosted once that that. Um, that the way you describe it, it sounds like you had some psychic or intuitive downloads. So tell us about that. Yeah. And and there are those in every session I do, you know. So so you're I'm as I think most good facilitators, you're working at five or six or seven levels, right? When you're facilitating, you're you're hearing what people saying, you're watching the body language, you're the ideas are coming out and you're Part of you is hopefully laddering up, asking interesting questions, laddering up to to bigger concepts, et cetera, et cetera. But this case was special, and I've never re-experienced it. Um, I had done, I think this was the fifth day in the row of of doing ideation sessions, right? And, you know, when you do these sessions, it's a tremendous energy drain, you know, because you're completely and totally... Uh, involved in the process, right? And so that's why, you know, people say, well, you could do this five days a week. You can't do it five days a week. You'd go crazy, I think. Um, you just, you can't have that flow like that. And, but I was in a case where I, I was in either the fourth or fifth day uh, because I had to, you know, it was one of those situations. And I, I, I went into this ecstatic state where I could see the ideas that were going to come out before they appeared, you know? And so it was almost like I was on this time track ahead of where we were and, um, and, and, and sort of seeing, seeing all these things before people would say them. And so it was this, and if you think of it, you know, that ideas are coming down from the astral plane or whatever, then that makes sense. But, but this, and it lasted for maybe 20 minutes, a half hour, and then it went away. But that was an extraordinary and wonderful and 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 very cool thing, which uh, I've never experienced since. That's quite interesting. Yeah, that's that's something I've never personally experienced. Um, it's rare that that happens. I think there are a lot of gifted people. And that makes me want to ask you, um, thanks for sharing that, first of all. And between this experience of, of um, I'm going to call it foretelling. I know that word is loaded for many people, has some connotations, but it's, for, it's foretelling. Between this instance of foretelling and the experiences you've had um, in this in this inner inner world and and in the dream state, are these experiences that you feel are accessible to to 
to everybody or, or do you feel like it, it takes um, and or takes some special dedication or, or practice? Everybody, yes. And practice, yes. <laughs> you know, um, uh, you know, I, I guess I would say if they're if they're available to me, they're available to everyone. Give me a break. Um, so absolutely. Uh, that's the first thing. Um, but yes, spiritual disciplines. Uh, you know, I had a friend of mine who was who who had so many soul travel experiences. And I said, yeah, I kind of like to have this or that experience. And she kind of said, well, how much time are you willing to put in and how much attention are you willing to do on that? And I and it wasn't it would have been nice, but it wasn't important enough to me to, you know, to spend two or three months really focused on that. So um, the answer is is absolutely for everyone and absolutely through through spiritual disciplines. Uh, you can get there, whether it's chanting or, you know, whatever it is, internal visualiz- visualizations, et cetera. Absolutely. And coming back down to the micro level with this specific instance with the ideation session and and um, being time ahead, let's say, and, and being able to to know what was coming, what ideas, what creative creative ideas were coming out of the group before they mentioned them. And you said this happens often for you, or that you are able to tap into intuition um, pretty consistently in the line of work you do. So as a professional, how have you, how do you feel that tapping into that part of you has helped you grow uh, or develop as a professional? Oh, that is such a great question. I've never thought of it exactly that way. I think by having to be open you know, I've done over a thousand ideation sessions now and, and, and also creativity training, by the way, when we do creativity training, we do action learning. So we're working on real world challenges. So they're, they're like ideation sessions anyway. Um, but, you know, all this, uh, these, I, I, after a th- more than a thousand of these, I still get nervous at night, you know, and what's going on there is that the mind is, is being, uh, freaking out or involved or whatever it is to get me ready for that. I would, it's like a pure openness that's required, I think, to be at your best when you're facilitating, because again, you're working at several levels and you're totally open to frankly, the group consciousness. And that's really important more so than the individual consciousness. There's a, for lack of a better term, there's a group consciousness formed. And um, so when I tune into that, uh, that that requires a certain discipline and an openness and awareness. And frankly, there are a lot of times I'd rather not. You know, I just I'd rather you know be sitting at home, you know, watching a football game. But 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 that's the work you do. And so it's like a performance, and you can talk to actors, and I and you know they get in these flow states and all the rest. Um, and then it's an extraordinary experience after after it's open, and uh, you want to go celebrate because all this. The channels have opened up, people have opened up, and new ideas have occurred. And you've been part of the, you know, the cosmic plan here, for lack of a better word. And it's extraordinary, right? I mean, how these are ecstatic states, you know, and 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 to see that openness amongst people and to form that group is so so incredible. You know, I'll tell you one experience I had where we had uh, one of Darth Vader's missionaries in one of these groups I was doing, and. Oh my God, it was just brutal, and and that almost never ever happens because people are such good people, and they're you know they're open to to helping and all the rest. 
And I was, I didn't know what to do. And the gods smiled on me. And this woman was, she was head of customer service, if you can believe that. <laughs> and, and she was called out. I couldn't believe this has never happened before or since. She was called out of the meeting to, to deal with an issue. And so um, that was such a, a fortunate thing. But that that's a unique thing and an anomaly. In, in, in 98, 99.9% .9 of the time, you have this wonderful openness of, of creativity and an open channel that's so wonderful to be part of. What are the industries that you've that you've consulted with? Um, what kinds of what kinds of folks usually consult with you when it comes to creative ideation and these kinds of sessions? You know, it's uh, you asked about reincarnation before. I've lived over a thousand lifetimes because I've been in a thousand different industries, whether it's insurance or or medical or or food or skincare or cosmetics or um, you know finance. Any any. Any and every industry you can imagine, um, I've I've worked in, and and so, you know, it's wonderful. They'll send me, uh, like like if it's a food project, they'll send me a million dollars worth of research before the session. I'll read that, prepare the session, get all the stimuli and triggers, and then we'll do the session. And so again, I I've been doing more and more um, creativity and ideation training these days uh, because I want to share the processes with the world. And a lot of my clients have called on me to do that. And so that's very rewarding, you know, working with, you know, Caltech and executive ed or uh, TCU and executive ed or I, um, IEC or um, even the city of New York, working with them, sort of training people in these processes, both of the techniques themselves and the facilitation part of that. That is in some ways even more rewarding than, than getting, quote, the big idea. Because, you know, people, I can see, I can see the lights go on in people and that's, that's wonderful. And the way you described the cosmic group consciousness, like, I think the, the fact that you feel when you are doing these sessions, some cosmic sense of community of that energy, and you've had these experiences of tapping into, into your intuition, doing this. It just shows me, and I already, I don't need proof to know this. It's something I believe, but it just reiterates the fact that spiritual energy, intuitive energy knows no bounds. Doesn't matter what industry you're in. Doesn't matter what line of work you're in, whether it's a desk job or you're an actor, it's all energy and it's interchangeable, transferable. Um, so yeah, that's why I was so interested in talking with you because I have yet to talk to somebody who is in a line of work, the kind of line of, line of work that you're in and has shared experiences like this have happened on the job. I think that's really remarkable. Well, well, thank you. And you said two, I thought, really wonderful things. This cosmic sense of community, I've never heard it framed that way. I love that. That's a beautiful, uh, beautiful statement. And this notion also of no bounds is also wonderful. Um, so, so thank you for both of those, those comments. I love them. Yeah. And well, I just think creativity, because I'm, well, if I say, I say I'm a creative, um, I think, and I'm sure maybe you'll agree. I think we're, we all have creativity in us, um, which is, I, I have a feeling why you lead these sessions. Um, it's just about bringing it out and it's an energy that we can tap into just like our intuition. Would you say? Absolutely. I mean, you know, there are famous studies about, you know, kids testing it, you know, 98% of kids testing at the genius level of creativity with the NASA, uh, NASA creativity test when they're, when they're born. And, but then by the time they're, 
they're 12, that, that number in the population has gone down to about 12%. Um, you know, we're all born. Well, if you have kids, you know, I mean, oh my gosh, they're unbelievable. You know, it's like in one of my book, in my, the book Idea Stormers, we were watching, I was watching with my daughter, the uh, Wizard of Oz. And, you know, when, when Glinda leaves for the first time and she floats off into that yellow orb, right? And uh, so uh, she said to me, my daughter, who I, maybe she was, I don't know how old she was. She was young. But anyway, she said, where is she going? And I said, I don't know. Where do you think she's going? And my daughter said, oh, I think she's going to play tennis. And and so she, she made a <laughs> wonderful connection, right, that it looked like a tennis ball. I mean, come on, you know, come on. So so that's a long answer to your question. Um, absolutely. We're all born with this, 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 these creative abilities and connection making. And so, um, you know, sometimes when we start our creativity training, we'll we'll have somebody we'll have everybody in the, in the group share a time when they were creative as a kid. And, and what you'll find interesting is that thing that they might share can often be a symbol for their future uh, life's career, which is extraordinary, right? You know, when I was a kid, I used to do hair and makeup, or when I was a kid, I built forts, and now I'm an architect. And you see that over and over again. And so there's this sort of much broader view of uh, who we are, where we've come from, and where we're going and our mission in life that uh, when you tune into some of these experiences with your kid, as a kid, they may become apparent to you. And I think it's no mistake that there are so many people that take a special close look at how um, expressing yourself creatively, whether on your own or you know, as, as a career, just the act of being creative, especially with an element of play. A lot of people feel that that can help us tap into our intuitive side. Like the, is it the left, left, left side of the brain? I've like the, the, is it the left side of the brain? That's the creative. It, well, it's the research has shown that the left and right thing is not that valid anymore, but it's true. Right, it's the right side, but the you're right actually side. right. Yes. It's, uh, you know yeah. what I'm thinking of? Cause there's, isn't, I don't know. Is it true? Well, they used to say that the right side of the brain has something to do with the left side of the body. I don't know yes. how true that is anymore. But I know that um, like in card readings, I, I'm a card reader and and I've read about this at the left side of the body. Like you you shuffle with your right hand, but you deal with your left hand. Now, that's just theory. I don't, I'm not taking it as fact. But what I'm trying to say is I've I've heard so many times that there are people who tap into that part of their brain, the creative part of their brain, and that that has helped them tap even further into their intuitive side. Yeah, you know, um, at one point in my spiritual development, I did rebirthing, and I I found myself um, the right side was was really pounding on the left side, so the masculine side was pounding against the 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 you know the feminine side, if you will. And and I just got an operation on I just got a new knee on my left side, so. There's more integration, I know, for me to be done between the the male and the female parts of myself. Uh, but, um, you know, we need to integrate those, obviously. Yeah, 100%. And as a final note, I'm never going to see Glinda in The Wizard of Oz in that last scene the same way ever again. I do rewatch the movie because I grew up with the movie. I love the movie. I own it. And I'll watch it to put a smile on my face, put it on the background. But I'll never see that scene of Glinda drifting off in her bubble 
the same way again. Yeah, it was it was right at the beginning of the movie, so you don't even have to watch the whole movie. I'm kidding, but <laughs> oh, that's right, it's the beginning of the movie. Yeah, we'll, we'll never see it the same way again. Well, <laughs> tell us how our listeners can learn more about you and and uh, and your business. Yeah, I mean, if they're interested in particularly in creativity um, and uh, ideation training and innovation frameworks, and you know, I have a lot of books out there, but they, you know, they can just go on to the website growth-engine.com. Um, and 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 contact me that way if if they if they would or, or keynote speeches you know I've been working a lot with educational uh, National Association of Community College Entrepreneurship and um, you know all these different uh, high, higher education entities and you know even the city of New York so any any department whether it's you know learning and development or HR or even keynote to you know I did a keynote for 150 clinical trial people and and the, the hr people kept saying to me they're not creative they're not creative and i said well okay and then they were unbelievably creative it was so extraordinary and so wonderful so that that's a long answer yes people um if they go to growth-engine.com they could they could reach me that way or or my email is bmattamore at growth-engine.com wonderful well brian thank you so much for being on the podcast it was a pleasure to talk with you well, thank you, Juan. This was really fun. And I um, I think I remembered things that I didn't know I knew. So thank you. <laughs> there we go. Bringing it out of the woodwork. <laughs> thank you, Brian. Thanks, Juan. If you have a question or topic you want me to cover on Third Eyesight, head to my website, juanfranciscospirit.com slash contact and send a message my way. If you really enjoyed this episode, leave a review wherever you listen. I'd really appreciate it.